I spent the last 10 years teaching corporate America leadership and teamwork. Now, I've left my 9 to 5 job to help as many people as possible become leaders in their work and personal lives. Some say leaders are born, but I say they're built. This podcast is the beginning of my mission to create change on a massive scale. Join me and follow along as we explore leadership, teamwork, and growth together. My name is Brian Rollo, and this is Lead with Impact. Hello, 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 and welcome to Lead with Impact. I'm Brian, and I am so happy to have you with me today. We have a fantastic guest to speak with in today's episode. I know I always say fantastic, and this guest is just a little fantasticer than the normal fantastic guest. I will be speaking to Adam Hudson. He's the co-founder of Reliable Education and a seven-figure Amazon seller. His companies have funded over 7,000 interest-free microloans to entrepreneurs in third world countries, and they have also funded thousands of free eye surgeries to the blind in Indonesia. On top of all that, he has been on pretty much every media channel that there is. He has spoken with some of the biggest speakers you can speak with, and I am super excited to have him on Lead with Impact to talk about his Amazon business and also talk about how he gives back and how that has become a key part of what he does. So I can't wait. Let's jump right into it and meet Adam Hudson. And we are fortunate today to be joined by Adam Hudson from Reliable Education. Adam, thank you very much for being with us. Brian, it's an honor. Thanks for having me on the show. I would love to talk to you about everything you do, but maybe we could start out with just an overview of how you help people. So we have two facets to that. Commercially, we help people by teaching them how to build reliable income streams by selling products on Amazon, their own products, like private label stuff. And then outside of that, as a company and organization, we uh, help people through our, our foundation. We do a lot of work in uh, Indonesia with the blind, and um, so we fund eye surgeries for thousands of people every year. I'm very interested in talking to you about both of those things because they're both fascinating to me. But how did you get to this point where you found yourself running this company doing all of these things? Yeah, well look, I've been an entrepreneur for 25 years. I'm 45 today and I had my last job when I was 19 or 20. Um, and uh, But in more recent times, rather than going the full stretch, I, I actually found myself living and working in Hollywood, California. I had an animation company. Uh, we did uh, animated uh, cartoons for um, many of the Fortune 100 companies in the US, from McDonald's to Cisco to MasterCard and so on. Um, and uh, it was a successful business, but I knew that I wanted to sell it at some point and move back to my native country of Australia. So I was looking for a side hustle that would um, give me cash flow when I sold the company so I could invest the money from the sale. And so I started selling on Amazon in 2011, and uh, it just sort of became this very successful business um, as a side hustle, and it grew out of that. And then four years later, I started to teach it to others who, because I sold the animation company, did move back to Australia. And a lot of people said, how did you build that Amazon thing? So that's when I started teaching people, and, and now we have this quite a large business doing that. 
Were there any struggles along the way with these businesses? Were there points where you had to pivot from one thing to another or really make some major decisions about which direction you were going to go in? Oh, 100%. I mean, in my bio, it says that I've owned uh, 17 or 20 companies or something. Um, and by and large, most of them have been average to failures. You know, it's only been in the last sort of um, five to six years of my 25 years that of, of entrepreneurship that I've really had great companies, companies that are really sustainable and profitable long term. Um, you know, so I think as entrepreneurs, we go down a lot of dry roads, which is another way of saying we're paying for our education along the way. Um, right. uh, so I've had a lot of, you know, a lot of um, pivots and sometimes just realizing uh, as you get older, you realize that the market is the market is the market. And what I mean by that is we, our job as entrepreneurs is to create things that the market wants. And sometimes we take it so personally, we just think there's something wrong with us or we didn't read our goals enough or we didn't believe in our vision or we quit too early. But sometimes you just got a bad idea and um, you back yourself into a corner with a bad idea. And, you know, when you've got a great idea and you've got a great business, it, it becomes evident fairly quickly as well. I love that mindset because you're taking it not as personally, in other words, viewing something as I didn't do enough or I wasn't good enough. You're just saying I didn't have what the market wanted. Exactly. I think, Brian, a lot of people take it very personally because we read personal development books all day. And I love the personal development industry. I've been a big proponent of it and it certainly taught me a lot. But it, but it, it wasn't until I sort of matured as an entrepreneur that I realized that, you know, a large part of it, because I looked around, I saw people that I could swear were not as smart as I was that were making a lot more money than me. And I was like, how does that work? They haven't even read a Tony Robbins book and I've read everything. You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, um, you know, you figure out that sometimes you're in a horse race riding a dog, you know, and uh, that's an important component of success as well is the right thing at the right time can make up for a lot of IQ points. So how do you find the right thing at the right time? Objectivity is, is, is the word of the day in my opinion. I find a lot of entrepreneurs and especially even with what I teach, people going and trying to find a product to sell on Amazon, they're just too in love with the product rather than having an objective look at the market and how they're going to win market share um, in a sustainable way. That is the constant challenge of entrepreneurship. It's, it's not in working harder. It's not in any of that stuff. It's identifying a real gap in the market, fulfilling it with a solution that people that, that people are gen, genuinely prepared to pay for, which is only evidenced by them actually paying for it in the marketplace. It's not so much what you think they want. It's what they really want. Yeah, the test is not your mum who says, Brian, I think it's great. I'll buy one. <laughs> <laughs> right. I love it. It's funny you mentioned that. I saw a social media post just over the weekend from somebody I don't really know, but one of these uh, came up in my feed, and he said, the secret to success is you have to be willing to give up everything. No weekends, no time off. If you, you're not willing to give up everything to be successful and do it seven days a week, 12 hours a day, just give up any hope. And I'm thinking, I'm not quite so sure that's the right approach. And it sounds like you sort of agree. Yeah, look, I, I just did a national speaking tour with Gary Vaynerchuk, and he's kind of famous for his, 
you gotta hustle, you gotta work, and he's right, but you also gotta you gotta have the right thing, or you know, it's like you know, two of my old mentors when I was coming up were Jim Rohn and uh, Zig Ziglar. You know, so Zig Ziglar's the ultimate motivator, and Jim Rohn was the ultimate educator, and they used to argue, and and Jim would say, you just need to educate people, and Zig would say, no, you've got to motivate them, and and Joe, Joe would, uh, sorry, uh, Jim would say, but what if you motivate an idiot? Right. I love both those guys. They're both awesome. It's a balance and you've got to have both motivation but motivated doing the wrong thing is just like the old adage of having the ladder leaned up against the wrong wall. You're just going to get to the place, the wrong place faster. So it's really important. I think there's a lot to be taught, especially now as the world's becoming more globalized and competitive. I really believe that the, the skill of the future um, is going to be innovation and the ability to think. And you look at Steve Jobs, he didn't just sort of make a slight adjustment to what IBM was doing. He completely reimagined computing and therein lies one of the most successful companies in history. And I think that's our job as well is to innovate because there is, you know, we look at China and India that are producing millions of PhDs every year. Intelligence in, and, and structured um, thinking is just, you know, off the shelf. It's of, of no real value now. Uh, not at scale. At scale is innovation and, and thought and objectivity and the ability to truly connect with a need in the marketplace at a commercial price. I have to just tell you that social media post that I was talking about started out with a Gary V quote and he took it from there. So I had to laugh <laughs> when you brought up his name because that's exactly where he was coming from. But like you said, I think he was missing part of the part of the picture. So what makes Amazon a good vehicle for somebody who wants to start a side hustle? Well, the, the thing I love about Amazon, and I'll, I'll be really honest and upfront, I'm very objective about Amazon. Um, you know, I, I love it as a vehicle, um, but I'm also very realistic about the parts I don't like as well. But I'll start with what I do like. For, for most people entering into the world of entrepreneurship, if you want to, there's only really two things you can sell, time or products, right? So you're either selling services as a consultant or an animator or a massage therapist or whatever. Problem with that is you run out of inventory because you only have 24 units a day, which is your hours. Um, so if you move over from being a consultant over to the product side, um, then you're selling something that you know can sell 24-7 when you're asleep anywhere in the world. So there's upside, but the downside is you need cash for the inventory. But the, the reason I love Amazon is because Amazon solves many of the major problems that um, early entrepreneurs just don't overcome, which is how to build a website, how do you get traffic to that website, how do you warehouse and uh, deliver products at scale, right? So Amazon solves all of those problems. They basically say, we've got this website, we have 53% of all online sales in America now are done on one website, which is Amazon. So that's extraordinary. You add up every, every other e-commerce site in America that sells anything and all of them combined, including Apple, eBay, everyone, Walmart.com, all of them combined are selling less than Amazon does on its own. So you have this massive beast of an engine where people type slowly because they have a credit card in the other hand. The only reason they're there is to buy stuff. So they're there buying of this massive market. You can send your inventory straight into their warehouses. You're exposed to world-class logistics infrastructure and you don't need to find any customers. It is a pure play test of 
um, skill in terms of finding a product that people want. If you do that, you can buy an Amazon advertisement, be on page one for any search term from day one, and you can get data instantly as to whether the market wants that product or not at that price. Now, it might not be profitable from day one if you're spending all the money on advertising, but at least you'll find out whether the market wants it really quickly. So it allows it allows us as entrepreneurs to do the piece that's really the critical piece, which is can we innovate in the product area and then let Amazon take care of the rest. Um, so that's what I love about it, and um, it, it works. You know, we've got students in three and a half years. Our students have done half a billion dollars in sales, and most courses out there that are teaching how to make money online could not say that their students have done half a billion dollars in sales ever. We've done that in three and a half years, and, and that's not a guess. That's actually to the dollar. We use a piece of software that actually plugs into their account. So it actually works, and these are pretty much all never sold online before people. That's staggering. Mm. So you said you might not have a traffic problem if you list on Amazon, but I guess my question is, don't you still have to direct the traffic to your product? Yeah, so this is, this is what's great about Amazon. It's true if you launch from day one, you're going to be nowhere in the rankings. So let's say you're selling dog beds. Um, you launch and you've got no history. You've got no reviews. It's brand new. So what we teach is the key thing is to have a visually differentiated product. So what that means is Amazon's like a dating site. People put in what they're looking for and the first thing we look at is the photo. So you can either have a beautiful photo or you can have something in the photo that is actually beautiful and visually differentiated. You can see the reason that you might want to click on it, see with your eyes, not read. There's a really important little distinction. So if you've created a visually differentiated product that stands out, the way to test that is to print off the first 20 listings, the first photo of the first 20 listings on Amazon. Just put the photos on the wall, put your photo of your product in the middle and then get your friends around and say, which of those products do you like? And if you're not getting picked with regularity, you're not going to win that first battle. So what we then do is once you've got a visually differentiated product, you can buy advertising on Amazon from day one. So you can pay to show up right there on page one from the very get-go. Now, when you first begin, the number of um, sales that you get uh, when you're first getting established, the cost of advertising may chew up a lot or all of your margin. But what happens is as Amazon starts to see customers seeing your ad, seeing your listing and buying it, they measure the conversion rate. And like any retailer, if you owned a retail store and somebody walks into your electrical goods store, for example, and you have you know 10 salespeople there, and the person says, I'm looking for a computer, which of those salespeople are you going to give it to? Well, you're going to give it to the salesperson that you know, and you're going to rank them in order of the one that's most likely to bring you the most money, which is a combination of how regularly they convert and to what product with what margin. So Amazon's algorithm will quickly rank your product if you're converting more often than others at a higher price point because they get paid a commission, they're going to rank you fairly quickly. So over the course of a few months, you can work your way from nowhere fairly quickly to the upper page or two of Amazon for, for most things if you've truly got that product right. And that's why the product's so important. Do you recommend that your students make up their own product? Do they find a product? How does that usually work? Yeah, so what we recommend they do to start with is get a quick win. You're in the consulting game, so I'm sure that you um, do the same with your clients. The most important thing when you get a first and new client is to get a quick win, right? Get them seeing a, a positive benefit from your engagement. So when you first start, one of the things we do is we just get them to get any product onto Amazon because 
there's a stunning number that night there was 1.2 million Amazon seller accounts open last year in 2018. Of those, only two percent were open. Ninety-eight percent closed before they even listed their first product. They just gave up. So only two percent actually listed a product before closing. So what we do with our students is we first of all get them to just get a tennis ball from their local Walmart or Kmart or whatever, and then list that tennis ball for sale on Amazon and sell it. Even if it's for five cents, it doesn't matter. Because what happens is once people have that first quick win, they go, oh, I know how to do it now. I know how to write a headline. I know how to do a bullet point. I know how to put the photos up. I now understand how to debate the base. I feel like I'm in this car now. What I've got to do is find the right fuel and the right racetrack and I'm off. So the first thing is getting a very quick win. Then what we do is we say, yes, create your own product with some form of uh, visual differentiation. Um, and in some cases, that can be just there are categories, for example, where everyone's selling in that category. The photos are just awful, like they're, they're either Chinese manufacturers or just lazy big retailers that haven't done a good job. And all you need to do is just do substantially better photos. Other times you need, you know, a, an actually better product. And so there's a whole bunch of strategies we teach about how to find, you know, materially better products that are not on Amazon and put them on Amazon and, um, and then potentially p- protect them using patents and design patents and provisional patents and so on. So interesting. What kind of students seem to do well with this, Adam? Objective people. <laughs> um, <laughs> objective people who are patient because it is really a difficult gig. So what I mean by that is most of our students right now in Australia, we have 8,000 students as I'm doing this interview with you today. And as I said, that, and they've done about 500 million in sales. If you average that, now not all of them are live, but let's assume they were all live. That's $62,500 per student in sales. That's extraordinary for a course of any kind. Um, so what makes the, the people successful is first of all, going into it with the right expectations. So we tell everyone, this is really hard and you need some capital. Ideally, $10,000, $15,000 is good to go into it so that you can get a a, a small order of inventory, professional photography and all that. But when you think about it, we've got mostly Australians. So we live in this little country down under of 25 million people. We're sourcing mostly from China and we're selling into America because we sell on amazon.com mostly because you guys are the biggest market. So here we are in our undies working at night after (laughs) work all day, you know, and we're ordering products from a country we've never been to that speaks a language we don't understand. We ship it to a country that we may have never been to. We don't really understand American culture as well as you guys do. And we're sitting here doing it all part-time around full-time work in the wee hours of the morning. That's pretty extraordinary when you think about the alchemy involved in doing that. because we literally don't touch our products. Apart from the samples that we get, we're ordering from China and then it goes to America. We literally don't see our own inventory. So to do that requires a lot of patience, a lot of hard work, a lot of frustration with language barriers, uh, changing goalposts with Chinese suppliers, uh, Donald Trump with his tariff war in China. (laughs) You know, there's all these winds of change constantly that knock people over, but the same winds hit us all in e-commerce. So it's really a it's a it's a war of attrition, you know. You got to be strong, patient, and really have a big reason for wanting to do it. But the payoff, if if you can do it, is extraordinary because you have this great business where you don't touch the products. The money comes in in U.S. dollars for us. That's a thirty percent difference in money, um, and we have no staff, no website traffic to think about. We don't do any Google or Facebook ads. Um, it's a really great business when you can build it. 
I would like to ask you this before we end, but I'll ask you now just in case I forget. If someone out there is interested in your course, how do they sign up? Uh, just go to our website, which is reliable.education. There's no .com or anything. Um, and also Instagram is a good place if you just want to follow along with me. I do coaching for free every day for five minutes. Uh, Adam Hudson official uh, on Instagram with uh, underscores between. Okay. Perfect. We'll put that in the show notes as well. So if somebody's interested, they can find out more about that and be selling on Amazon. Now, I want to speak to you a little bit about conscious capitalism. You mentioned a couple of the efforts that you are involved in a few minutes ago. Can you talk to us a little bit more about conscious capitalism and how you embrace that as a company? Yeah, I got to a point in my career, Brian, where I wanted to do something that was doing more than just making money, you know, and, and, you know, I got there over many years. I wasn't always this way. I don't sort of proclaim to be holier than thou, <laughs> but you sort of get to a point in your life where you want it to matter. So we, with our education company from day one, we started in a small way by doing a micro loan to an entrepreneur in a third world country through Kiva.org. So every time we sold a course, we would do a free interest-free micro loan um, to a third world country. We've done nearly uh, 10,000 loans now in the marketplace, all interest-free being paid back um, by people who started small clothing stores or a motorbike business or something they needed in Indonesia or Africa or whatever. Then what we wanted to do was I was on a flight from Los Angeles to Singapore one day and I saw this work that was being done in Indonesia where people um, were getting cured of cataract. There's four million people in Indonesia with cataract that makes them blind and they can't see and this little surgery that's done in like 20 minutes cures them and I watched this documentary about kid, these two sisters that got fixed and they'd never seen their parents of the ocean. I was sitting there in the plane crying and I got off and I said to my assistant, we need to do this, but I don't want to give money. I want to actually go and I want to take our students to experience it. And so that started a relationship with a com uh, an organization called the John Fawcett Foundation and we now are one of their biggest donors. We recently gave them a check for 265000 to buy a brand new um, eye surgery clinic, a mobile one that, that they take around the country. Um, and we've now done you know thousands of surgeries and every year now for the rest of my life, um, thousands of Indonesians will get their eyes back as a result of the giving that we've given through our company, which is just such a fulfilling thing. And it's been great for business because we're able to recruit and retain better employees. Our customers buy into our vision. I, I believe that it, it, we actually make money from giving, you know, so that's my... I do. Yeah. That's a little bit about my message too. I speak a lot about organizational culture and having a purpose a defining purpose is such a huge part of that, something that people can engage with much more than just some coming in to complete a financial tra transaction in which I trade hours or effort for money. And I'm just going to come up and get my check and go home. And A, you're doing good, but B, I think you're just engaging your people on such a higher level. 100%. I couldn't agree more. I apologize for a bit of background noise here. We have a tin roof here and it's just started raining. So <laughs> if you hear that, yeah. No, no, we, we definitely have found that um, it, it, is, it, it's, it isn't why we did it, but it, it is good for business. You know, we just, we just have a different level of loyalty, trust, and commitment from all of our stakeholders, from our customers through to our employees who just wake up every morning knowing that they're going to work at a place that is actually making a difference in the world. It's amazing. 
I like to talk about mentors on this show when I speak to people because I'm a believer that nobody gets to where they are without a little bit of help somewhere along the line. Were there people who helped you get to the point where you're at now? Oh, look, there's probably many uh, people that I look to. I don't know that I've ever been in a formal mentorship relationship in my life, um, but mentors have been my books and my observing of the world. Um, there are certain people that have come through that have inspired me. On the philanthropy side, Paul Newman was a huge inspiration to me with what he did with Paul Newman's own brand. Um, yes. You know, having given a billion dollars to to charity and they continue to generate tens of millions of dollars a year in perpetuity um, for long after he's passed away is just amazing to me. Um, yeah, and then there's been others from Richard Branson who I've met um, and spent a little time with and uh, Tony Robbins who I've shared the stage with a few times now, spoken at several events with Tony. So, you know, just various people along the way uh, have inspired me. I love that because it shows you that the mentoring relationship doesn't always have to be formal. And in fact, one side may not even know that the relationship exists, Yeah, but it can still be just as powerful. A hundred percent, yeah. And Paul Newman, just as an aside, he has a camp, maybe 10, 20 miles from where I live, I told you I'm upstate New York, that he founded to help disabled children. And they come up there every summer. Is that right? And people go up, yeah, people, it's called Hole in the Woods. And uh, people go up there to be camp counselors. And it all started from Paul Newman in this little spot that's nowhere near where he made his fortune. But he decided to open something that's helped countless people. So uh, some amazing and inspiring work there as well. Yeah, well, that's actually what took me to the Adirondacks, right where you are um, in that area, was a camp by a guy called Yannick Silva, who has a, an organization called Evolved Enterprise. And he runs a, uh, a camp up there called Camp Maverick. Um, and so I went to that, and it was all about creating an evolved enterprise, enterprise that they give and do good in the world. And that, that really inspired me as well. First I've heard of that, I'll have to check that out. I'd like to ask a little bit of a philosophical question. If you could send a message to yourself, say 10 years ago, or whatever number you choose, but if you could send a message to your past self, what would you tell the younger Adam? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been asked this a few times. Probably um, relax and enjoy the ride um, and uh, don't take failure so personally. You know, just the stuff that I started out with really that um, just really focused on solving real problems at fair prices. And uh, if you do that, you, you will expedite your, uh, your journey as an entrepreneur. Solve real problems at fair prices. I'm writing that down. That could be its own business book. <laughs> yeah, in a way that wows your customer. Like Seth Godin's work has been super inspiring to me. Uh, I love his, his the way the guy thinks and, and articulates his ideas. I think Seth's just an incredible writer around all things business. I agree. I'm always asking myself, is this a purple cow or not? Exactly, exactly. It's just a great metaphor and uh, – Listeners don't know what that means. They should buy Purple Cow and read it. It'll make perfect sense. Couldn't agree more. So you've done all these businesses, and we're catching you here in 2019, running reliable education, helping people overseas. What does the future hold for you? Is it more of this? Is it going to change? Yeah, I'm getting to a point now, Brian. I've got um, 
five or six companies still today. I own a big software business and a bunch of things. Um, and uh, I've been, you know, investing and developing in commercial real estate as well. So I've quite a large portfolio there. And I think in the coming few years, it will just be moving a little bit more into the background and mentoring the CEOs that run those companies. I don't run any of those companies anymore. Um, and just uh, enjoying life a little more. I've got some other interests I want to pursue um uh, in the in the next few years, um, so uh, yeah, just just sort of moving into sort of a little bit more less hands on, um, and um, and just sort of sort of a mentoring role with a very small group of um, guys that I'm working with and girls in key roles. Well, Adam Hudson, I want to thank you for being so generous with your time and joining us today. I learned a lot both in the business side and the people side. So I want to thank you for sharing your wisdom and knowledge. Thanks, Brian. Thank you for having me. It's a a real treat. And that was Adam Hudson, everybody. I hope you learned a lot from that. I took so many notes just from the business sense, thinking about how people can take a side business on Amazon and turn it into something much, much larger. Really exciting and an opportunity probably that a lot of people haven't thought about. And then the philanthropy, giving back to so many different people and people in struggling parts of the world that really, really need the help. I was really touched by that and how Adam has given so much of his time and money to make life better for other people. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Lead with Impact. Thank you for being with me. If you could take a moment to go to your favorite podcast platform, subscribe, like, download, all those things, you know the drill. That would be greatly appreciated. In the meantime, go out there. Have a great day. Lead with impact. And I will talk to you soon.